Welcome to another episode of Locked On Lightning, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Denker. What's up, everybody? Happy Sunday. Happy game day, everybody. Game one of the conference semifinals, I guess we call it. I, I still want to call it Eastern Conference semifinals or whatever. But regardless of what you want to call it, we are here. The Lightning are four wins away from making their second consecutive trip to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, And on today's episode, uh, we have a crossover episode with Locked On Islanders host Gil Martin. Uh, we were. It was funny how we were joking, discussing how like maybe uh, maybe we should make this into a yearly tradition now. Uh, we do the crossovers, but uh, that would be interesting if the Lightning do meet the Islanders next year in the conference finals as well. But I mean, obviously, one step at a time here. And before we get into the crossover with Gail, please remember to like and subscribe to this podcast uh, wherever podcasts are distributed. Give us a rate and review wherever they allow. Uh, Remember, we are available on Spotify, iTunes, Odyssey, Google Play, wherever you can find a podcast. We are there. And go ahead and follow us on our social media pages at on Twitter at LO underscore lightning, as well as on Instagram at locked on underscore lightning. And give me a follow on Twitter at Danky Dank, D-E-N-K-Y-D-8 N-K. So without further ado, here's my crossover with Gil Martin of Locked On Islanders. Things have changed over the past year, you know, with COVID and now we have fans. But the one thing that has not changed is our two teams playing in the semifinals, which we were talking about it before we hit the record button, how last year, you know, the Islanders weren't the same team as they did this year. And I was saying how. If we didn't play you guys, we might not have won the cup, probably, uh, just because Dallas was so similar. But this year, you know, I probably would say that, you know, I, right now, just with the way the Islanders are playing, I think Boston is looking a little bit better right now in terms of a matchup for the Lightning. But then again, Vazzy has just been otherworldly. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to be an exciting matchup for our two teams uh, going into this, especially with now like you guys just don't have one or two scores just to rely on. It seems like everybody's clicking for you guys, but you know what? That's what the playoffs are all about, right? You always need one or two players to step up and, and raise their game in the playoffs. And I, I think the Islanders are getting that this year. I think more than anybody, it's been Kyle Palmieri who did, nothing during the regular season after the trade deadline uh and and then you know has really come up big in the playoffs especially against boston Mm -hmm. yeah and 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 i heard something the other day and you could probably allude to this is that i I mean this all goes back to lou amarillo just coming into that environment along with barry trost and just changing everything around from what, what this team was three four years ago and would you say probably now with paul mary playing the way he's playing in the playoffs. Like, do you think that the Islanders have won the trade deadline for the second straight year? You know, last year being Pajot and now obviously this year, Zay Jack and Paul Mary. I, I think Lou Lamorello did exactly what he needed to do at the trade deadline the last two years. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, he's in the hall of fame for a reason and we're seeing it now. Will the Islanders pay the price for this 
three, four, five years down the road when those first round draft choices they don't have, you know, aren't ready to step in and nobody's ready to take these guys places, maybe. But second year in a row in the Stanley Cup semifinals, that that speaks for itself. Yeah. And and that's the thing that's really, I think, changed things around. Other than the fact that now we have fans for our teams (laughs) to play in front of. Uh, I mean, it it was it was I don't think you could scroll through social media at any given time. The Islanders were playing where you couldn't see how ridiculous it was out at, out at the barn out there on Long Island. And, and that, that might be something that I think that my guys might have a little issue with maybe going into that first period, especially uh, where <clears throat> it's been so, so documented over. And we spoke about this on last year's uh, crossover preview for, for that series where I said that, you know, one of the things that has really been kind of a, a very important thing when it comes to the Tampa Bay Lightning is that first five minutes in the first period of every game. And I think that's where you guys could p- possibly, you know, capitalize not only on having the home ice advantage when you go back to Long Island, but the fact that, <clears throat> you know, if you could win those first five minutes, you know, the, 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 the stereotypical hockey phrases you know win the periods well with the tampa bay lightning all you have to do is win the first five periods and you're in pretty good shape uh all things considered uh no that is easier said than done my guys have been have been really been crazy uh this whole postseason a lot of people are giving us flack i don't know how you feel about this but a lot of people are are saying well you know they're technically over the the cap because of Kucherov, and that's why they waited to have him during the season. Because let's be honest, I think Kuch was ready back in February, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they didn't want to, you know, go over the cap and you know ruin a good situation that they had. What is what is? Are you are you more on the side of you know what we found a loophole, or are you more on the side of well, you know, if they need to change things and kind of have the cap carry over to the playoffs. I don't see how the cap can carry over to the playoffs only because the players don't get salary during the playoffs. It, right. They're, they're paid a different way. Um, I, I do believe they need to change that rule to the extent of if, if a team is deliberately withholding a healthy player from their lineup for salary cap purposes, they, they, they could have sent them, you know, there are other ways to dance around the cap. Nobody complains when they send a player to the minors. Right. Uh, the AHL to, to save cap space. Uh, I, I doubt he would have passed through waivers. So you didn't want to do that. I understand. But at the end of the day, I mean, are they getting around the rule? Yes. But are they breaking the rules? No. Should the NHL adjust them? Yes. Am I angry about this? Do I think lightning or cheating? No. So that, that's where I stand on that. Well, let, let's let's for the games to play and maybe Kucherov rack up a couple of goals and then maybe you'll think <laughs> differently about that. Uh, so what is and we've already kind of gone into how last year was and, you know, you guys played us very well, all things considered. Um, where do you where do you see the improvement in the Islanders this year as opposed to how they were in last year's playoff series against the Tampa Bay Lightning? You know, uh, that, that's a great question. I, I think that this year the Islanders are getting, in the playoffs at least, offense and, and contributions from all four of their lines. 
And I think that that is making them even more difficult to play against because, you know, if you shut down Eberly and Barzal, then you still have to deal with Nelson, Bailey, uh, and Bavillier. And now yeah. you have Pajot, uh, his line with Zajac and Palmieri, they're getting offense and nobody likes playing against the identity line of uh, Sezikis, Martin, and Clutterbuck. So their ability to roll four lines and wear people down as a result has, I think, increased since last year, even though they really do miss Anders Lee. And time to take a break from the crossover with Gil to talk about one of today's sponsors, and that is Credit Karma. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you could win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you could win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Credit Karma Money also has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. But now between June 8th and June 30th, when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically entered be entered in to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open up a free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money, sign up for free and start winning instant karma. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules, banking services provided by MVB Bank, Inc. Member FDIC, maximum bank and transfer limits apply. And now back to the crossover with Gil Martin of Locked On Islanders. Yeah, I mean, the stats don't lie. And that's the one thing that really popped out to me before we jumped on and, and did this recording was how the goals forced i mean the islanders right now as it stands are leading all playoff teams in goals forced with 43 which is wild to think about when you have vegas and you know my guys tampa and even colorado who was knocked out the other night uh behind them so yeah i mean that's the one thing you know it has really made a difference is that really popped out to me when i was kind of just going through the numbers like i said to you before i haven't really watched a whole bit of New York Islanders, even though I am up in New York as well. Uh, but that's obviously, of course, because of the whole the way the divisions were this year. Do you think playing in the Eastern Division, though, do you think that has made this team better or do you think it wouldn't have made a difference? I think it did make the team better. I mean, this team plays the same style all year round. But I think, you know, having to face a team like Boston eight times during the regular season. And then again, in the playoffs uh, that did help toughen up the, the Islanders a bit. And I, I think that playing against teams that on paper, at least are more talented. Yeah. Uh, like your Pittsburgh's and your Washington's and your Boston's it, 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 it sort of got them ready to play in the playoffs and, and made them realize, Hey, this is what we have to do if we want to win. Yeah. And I think you guys ran into Pittsburgh at a very good time. I think that last stretch of games in which they catapulted themselves up to first place, I think that really wore them out and that really helped for you guys to really kind of get your game going and really, you know, just not really have to force things right off the bat. And that's what I think, really ultimately led into helping you guys get past Boston. Because, I mean, from firsthand experience from last year, Boston is the kind of team that, especially that that first line with Pasternak, Marchand, and Bergeron, I mean, they could really 
be a real pain in the butt for you guys, especially for your opposing goaltender. And that actually brings me into my uh, my next question with you is, you know, you have Varlamov who has played well. He's missed a couple of games here and there. Uh, and you also have a very talented goaltender, Sorokin. Are you thinking that Trotz is going to stick with the two-goalie system, or do you think he's going to kind of, now that we're sort of in the end game, kind of winding things down to where you really need to be fine and perfect going down the road, especially when, you know, Tampa Bay is rolling out the best goaltender in the world. Are you now I'm, I'm more of the old school kind of thinking, whereas you roll out one goaltender for the entire playoffs. You, you stick with the guy that got you there that has performed the best for you guys throughout the season. Are, are you more in that boat as, just keep Varlamov in there no matter what, or are you more along the lines? Well, if Varlamov has a has a rough game, because we did see that last year in the in our playoff series where Varlamov had a rough game and then he rolled out Thomas Grice and then mm-hmm. he got shellacked. And then really both goaltenders really they even though the series almost went seven, you saw both of those guys couldn't really get things going. They they couldn't really get in a groove. And I feel like that's part of the reason why, you know. I, I mean, you saw it in the series against when when Tampa played Florida. That Joel Quinville rolled out three goaltenders, uh, yeah, he was, and which is ridiculous. Um, but you know, he's won a cup like that before, so I guess he gets a pass. But I, yeah, I, yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. As far as the Islanders are concerned, I mean, you you look at Barry Trotz; he always prefers to go with veterans over younger players. That's his MO. And to me, it means that Varlamov will be the goalie as long as he plays well. If he gets shellacked, as you said, if he has a really bad game, they won't hesitate to turn to Sorokin for a game or two. But the way I look at it is this. uh, Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz will, will give Varlamov the benefit of the doubt but they won't hesitate to go to Sorokin if Varlamov cools off. Yeah, and and in terms of that, do you, are are we saying like if my guys jump out to a three nothing lead in the first period, is is the is the hook pretty pretty quick in that situation, or is are they rolling him out for a second, thinking maybe he could get uh, thing his act together, or or is maybe Sorokin coming out in the second? It, you know, I think it depends. If if two of those three goals were soft goals, quote unquote, right. then yeah, they may they may go to Sorokin. And then the other thing is this: uh, how is the team playing in front right. of the goal? They need that spark, uh, that wake up call that changing goalies sometimes gives you. It, it, it's all str- it's all strategic. It's all based on the circumstances. So I've seen him do it. I've seen Trotz change goalies. Uh, after a very bad period just to try to spark his team. And it, and it worked the, the couple of times that he did it. But I've also seen him stick with a goalie, again, depending on what's going on on the ice. Yeah, that's going to be the interesting thing, especially since, you know, the Lightning have been able to face two young goal goaltenders in their first two series with, you know, um, with Nindelkovich, who had a great year, a Calder Trophy finalist, and then you had Chris Drieger early on, and then even Spencer Knight, who was on the USA team not too long ago early on. I think he was on the national championship team as well in, in collegiate hockey yep. uh, earlier this year. So the Lightning, with the way their offense is stacked, um, 
And now that they have Kucherov and Stamkos, by the way, who is 100% healthy for the first time, I think, in the time that I've been the host of Locked on Lightning. I've never seen him. It it, it has been something to really kind of look at uh, with a fresh pair of eyes where, you know, Stamkos playing hurt is still probably one of the top five players in the league. But now he's looking like top three, maybe, you know, conversation. If, if he's healthy like this all the time, he could heart trophy is probably an easy conversation to have with him. But now that they have him back after he missed a, a bulk of the season and then Kucherov is basically just getting off the couch and just, you know, doing what he's doing, uh, picking off from last year. Um, this team has really feasted on young goaltenders. And that, that's going to be interesting to see how, the lightning, how they handle that. If maybe they're going to try and, you know, run up the scar at Varlamov and, and, and maybe see if they could get Sorokin for a couple of games. Um, in terms of my guys now, obviously I have listed a couple of the big names there as well as, you know, Victor Hedman's playing a little hurt right now, but it seemed like in that last game against Carolina, he got things that uh, thing, you know, things going after kind of playing gingerly throughout the entire series. And then now Vasilevsky, just picked up his third career shutout in the playoffs, uh, second of this year's playoffs. Um, is is he scared? Does he scare you at all? Because <laughs> I have, I could only imagine how scary it is looking down a goaltender like that. Like that's the one downside I feel. Uh, if I'm, if you know, not to look too far ahead, that one of us has to deal with that. You know, the goaltenders that we could potentially face in the Cup Finals. I mean, you have your, tr- it's, it's, you have, you have to, it's a pick your poison situation. You could pick Price or Flurry. Either way, it's going to be a, a tough, agonizing series for either. But uh, just for you, you know, having to deal with Vasilevsky, uh second year in a row and the fact that, let's face it, he's better this year, which is, it's, yeah. it's insane to even say out loud to, to think about how he could even get better. Yeah, I mean, it's a challenge, but at the same time, you know, we just came off facing Tuka Rask, who's an yeah. outstanding goaltender as well. You know, my I was going to ask you, so while you mentioned Vasilevsky, and yes, he's he's an outstanding goaltender playing at the top of his game right now, and it's a challenge. There's no question about that. Uh, but my question that I was going to ask you is, mm-hmm. uh, if you're a scout, scouting the Tampa Bay Lightning what do you think is Vasilevsky's biggest weakness how would you attack him you have to go at him um within those first five that goes back to the whole first five minutes of the game winning that because mm-hmm. if you if you Vasilevsky especially with nobody in front of him nearly unbeatable uh with with the perfect shot so if, if you could get a couple of weird bounces in front um, that's where he runs into trouble. Now, the thing is, it's a very slippery slope with Vazzy, is that you want to pepper the goaltender, uh, any goaltender, within the first couple of minutes before he gets settled in. But with Vasilevsky, that could also work in his favor to where the more active he is, the, 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 the hot, the, the faster he gets, uh, the, you know, hotter he gets uh, quick quickly in, in net and so that's the really thing with him if you could get a couple of weird knuckle pucks on shot with weird bounces and I mean that's what playoff hockey is all about where uh, you know weird bounces and plays going your way uh, you know with Vazzy we saw it throughout the Florida series he lost the game badly I believe it was game three uh, and and two of those three goals that he gave up were just like knuckle pucks where he looked he looked very very much human and i think that's really what it comes down to um and then you know usually for other teams 
you you want to have their third and fourth lines really you know be the 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 guys that need to go out there and make the big plays but you know not to sound cocky light the the lightnings you know one through four their lines have been solid the fourth line has been playing incredible uh the third line has just been a staple for this team over the past year that coleman gord line that mm-hmm. that John Cooper loves to start games with, and and so really, if you're gonna go toward, if you're gonna get at this Lightning team, it's really Vazzy in those first five minutes, uh, and it and it really comes down to high percentage shots. You know what what are what are considered good shots, and we really don't hear that term unless it's really basketball. And we were talking about that before with Matt Barzal, how how he has the highest percentage of goals scored from a certain spot in the in the right circle in the NHL. And, and kind of turning to him, I mean, what is it, what has it been for him that has really catapulted his, his game this year? Because he has been impressive. I mean, he's still a long ways away from being the guy on the team to rely on. But, I mean, he's really picked it up since then after some probably much-deserved criticism that he got from last year's playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you could see with Barzal, the talent has always been there. I mean, he's had some highlight reel goals. He's got great speed, change of direction, acceleration, and he's got a pretty good shot as well. Uh, But the the thing that has really been growing with him is confidence. Mm -hmm. And even in the last series against Boston, he really picked up his game Uh, And you could see him skating with authority. You know, he didn't score at all in the Pittsburgh series. He did have some assists, but didn't really score. Wasn't playing with confidence. And then the first goal he got against Boston, instead of being one of those fancy plays where he stick handled past three guys and went between his legs and backhanded it into the net, it was one of those you had to dig by the side of the goal and, and really kind of stuff the puck in in between the post and the goal attenders pads and i think scoring that way sort of reminded him hey this is the playoffs and if i want to score most of my goals aren't going to be the pretty kind they're going to be the i got to work for this kind of goal and that sort of clicked for him and he's really picked up his game as a result yeah i mean that's the kind of thing that for any player you get a couple of dirty goals here and there uh, and and you're off to the races, depending on what kind of player you are. I mean, we see it. That's the, we see it here in Tampa with Andre Pilat. We see it in here, even with Pat Maroon here and there. You know, obviously Pat Maroon isn't going to score thirty plus goals a year, but that's the kind of thing that really just gets your line going and gets guys around you to open up. I mean, the one guy that has really impressed me, where you know he gets a couple of goals in the series, and we're talking about him possibly being a. a big factor going forward and that's Ross Colton who really in his first year in the NHL has really impressed me I mean he's he's a big body forward on the wing who you know he looks like a defenseman which is is a crazy thing to think about but really um he 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 skates around like a forward and and he's at times believe it or not one of the better puck handlers on this team Uh, his vision is very impressive and you know kind of seeing those two young guys because i mean barzal's only 23 if i'm not mistaken he these two guys going up against each other that'd be interesting to see how that matchup goes now what is what is the you know you've asked me what is the the game plan for you know to get at my lightning what is the game plan for to go up against the Islanders? Uh, what, what is, if you're dissecting this New York team, where, where do you start first? You've got to find a way 
to get past the four check. The Islanders have a relentless four check with all four lines. And if you can bust past that four check and move with speed through the neutral zone, you will get some quality scoring chances. But it's not easy to do, obviously, or else the Islanders would have been eliminated already. So, right. Uh, but but if you can break up that four check, and teams have done it for a period at a time or for stretches of play at a time. So when you get those chances, you've got to cash in. And, you know, the Islanders do give up a lot more shots on goal than they take in most games, but the quality of those chances are usually not so good. And yeah. they'll keep on the perimeter and they'll make you work for those chances. And then, you know, usually it's Varlamov, but the goaltender comes up with some big saves and that's how they win three to two, two to one, four right. to three, th those kind of games. But if you can break that four check and get some speed coming through the neutral zone, you know, the thought of a, uh, of a Stamkos, or a Kucherov coming full speed into the zone with the puck, uh, you know, that's frightening for any team, you know, even a team that's reached the semifinals again. Yeah, and don't forget you have point coming down the middle on that rush as well, which, you know, the, 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 the three-headed monster that is the Tampa Bay uh, rush there. And the thing that really has stood out to me with my team, and, and, and it really has stemmed back from the series that our teams had, was – the Lightning were forced throughout that entire series to cycle the puck and set things up in the zone, which we didn't see a whole lot from, from them during the regular season. And at times this season, they've struggled to, to get back to because a lot of their games, they try to rely on their speed. And the NHL is changing. Uh, we saw it with Florida this year, how well they played and how they've weirdly have become one of the fastest teams in the NHL. Yeah. Uh, and, and, Tampa, I think that's where, and I forgot to mention this before, if you're going to look at my team, um, that's what one of their faults is, is that they they sometimes refuse, if, it, if it's worked a couple of times here and there and they got a good look on the rush, they refuse to mix it up on, on the forecheck. They, they would... They they prefer to to you know fly in there and try and turn it into a track race early on. But at the end of the day, especially when you have a a Victor Hedman who really he's playing dinged up. They're saying that he he you know if the, if he wasn't if we were in the playoffs right now he he might get surgery and he might not be ready till training camp. And that's a big if. Right. So it, you know getting back in, and what Tampa loves to do is bring up that defenseman into the slot. Uh, they love to play their defensemen up. So that's the other thing is that what Coach Cooper needs to do, especially, and I'm sure Bar Barry Trotz has seen the tape, and I'm sure he's going to try and exploit that. He is going to try and lure Tampa into relying solely on the rush and get them into that, that track race, which they love to do. But really what Tampa needs to do is they need to take their – they need to, you know, be cautious of their looks going into the zone and say, okay, maybe let's hold it up. Let's work it in the corners because Tampa has done a great job ever since they played the Islanders last year and really dumping the puck and working along the boards behind the net. And that's something that really, you know, it's weird to see a team that is successful at doing that and not do it more often. Right. Right. L let me ask you this, yeah. uh, you know, casual hockey fans, everyone knows your Kucherovs, your Stamkoses, uh, you know, the, the, the Palats, your Headmans. Give me a, a player on the Tampa Bay Lightning who doesn't get a lot of attention from the national media, but who is uh, a key to the team's success uh, in, in this playoff series. 
Well, I actually have two. There's Braden Point, who it, it's amazing how he gets overshadowed by these other guys. Obviously, rightfully so. Uh, but he's he's leading the team in goals. He's second in points. Uh, I b- firmly believe if he was on any team in, in a major market, he would be advertised as a superstar right away. Right. Uh, he's the kind of player that I'm sure the Islanders and Lou Lamarillo would love to have if if, uh, if the deal could have been made and the Lightning were able to, uh, if they were willing, actually, to uh, part ways with him. But the other player that has really been impressing me, and, and it's really, he's had a, a bit of resurgence since he got traded here, and that was Ryan McDonough. Ryan McDonough doesn't get enough credit for what he does. And, and really, he came here as just part of a deal uh, back in the Steve Yeiserman days. And, and, you know, he there wasn't really that much expectations considering, you know, that that fierce playing style that he was playing under John Tortorella up in New York. But, you know, now that he's able to, to kind of have a little bit more offensive side to his game. He's, he's really, you could see it, you know, he's, he's, he's just playing freely out there. He's actually putting up a lot more points. I believe he had the second most points in his career last season. Um, and, and he's really a nice compliment on that second line uh, as well as Eric Chernak, who has really picked it up and Eric Chernak, you know, a lot of people don't realize how long he's been in the league. He last year was the second cup he won in his career. He was with the Kings the first time they won. Right. That's right. And, yeah. And he was in that Peter Budai trade that everybody forgets about, which, you know, if you look at it now, I think the lightning fleece them on that, on that deal. So, uh, cause Eric Chernak, you know, as, as one of those times where he's one of those players where alongside Mikhail Sergachev, where you want to you want to jump on the ice and ring him around the neck for some of the boneheaded things he does. At the end of the day, he's such a talented player, um, and and really, you know, I, I think that those guys, especially those two, Sergachev, McDonough, as well as as well as uh, Chernak, are really going to be big factors on the defensive end, especially with if, if Victor Hedman is not a hundred percent. Yeah, no question. And and the other thing about McDonough that he gives you, he gives you great leadership. Yes. Um, in the locker room, he is, uh, he, 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 he's been there. He's done that. And, and he's really good in the locker room at, at helping other players raise their game. Yeah, absolutely. I, we saw it last year at the end of the, right before the lockout, or I keep calling it the lockout, even though it was a postponement, uh, right. where Victor Hedman went down with an injury and we had no idea how long he was going to be out for. And right away, Ryan McDonough. And even throughout this time when we've seen guy leaders, two of the big leaders on the team and Cooch and Stamkos go down, uh, Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough, you would have thought they were the co-captains of the team, the way they they've stepped up and you just see how the body language changes when, when they're on the ice and, and when you could see when they're talking to guys on the bench, people listen and, it's really nice to have a guy like that. And, and that's one of the things that you really got to give credit to not only Steve Yeiserman, who really put together this team and drafted a lot of these guys, but as well as the current GM, Julian Brees-Boss, who has brought in other guys as well as David Savard and, and Blake Coleman, both trade, uh, trade deadline acquisitions, guys who not are, are not going to light up the stat sheet, but are, are really going to be some of the leaders, uh, not only on the ice, but also in the locker room. And that's, that's really, you know, great to have when you have those young leaders on your team, because let's make no mistake about it. Some of these guys are not even close to 30 years old, which is crazy to even think about. But, um, on the other side, 
of that uh, with trade acquisitions, I guess we could go back to the whole the whole Pajau and Kyle Paul Mary. Uh, what what was the diff? What were the expectations? I guess with Paul Mary and Zay Jack coming in. Obviously, last year I think we spoke on the preview last year about Pajau, but with with Paul Mary and Zay Jack, did you think that they were going to have? You know, are you are you underwhelmed? Are you overwhelmed? I would probably say maybe even is probably where we're at right now in the NHL world with that. But as a guy who follows this team on a daily basis, where are you at with their performance thus far? Well, during the regular season, they were dreadful. Yeah. I mean, the two of them just looked lost and, and it was frustrating. But I did say on, on the podcast before the playoffs got started and people were complaining on social media, oh, they're terrible. We should have gotten Taylor Hall, you know, all of that stuff. I said, look, if Palmieri and Zajac play well in the playoffs, no one will remember and no one will care that they struggled during the 15, 16 games of the regular season yeah. that they the Islanders. And that's really what's happened. And, you know, these two guys are veterans. They've been through the wars and they really have stepped up their game in the playoffs and become bigger contributors. And, and I think the fact is that both of them, Palmieri and Zajac, are Barry Trotz slash Lou Lamorello kind of guys. They can play multiple positions along the forward line. They're responsible in their own zone. They're tough when they need to be. They'll score pretty goals occasionally at this stage in their career, but they'll certainly dig for those dirty goals. They're not afraid to mix it up physically when they need to. They fit in with what the Islanders are trying to do. And in the playoffs, they've been very solid contributors to that success. Yeah, and, and it's always interesting to see, you know, how teams make trades, especially at the deadline and even in the offseason. I mean, one of the trades that really kind of caught my eye uh, was the Taves trade, the Devon Taves trade, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I still don't understand as to why that trade was even made. But that's a whole nother episode, yeah. I guess, that could be made. But uh, are what players in this series are you looking to really step things up that really are are just you think are waiting to break out? Wow. Um, I, I think, first of all, that uh, Pajot is, is more or less very much a key to the Islanders' success. And, you know, he gets his goals kind of in bunches, but he's such a great two-way player, and I think that that's part of it. And, and then I guess the other guy is Jordan Eberle, who I, I think oh. started to come on in the Boston series. He and Barzal kind of both picked up their game. Uh, and, you know, if, if they can continue to play that way, this is going to be a very tight, even series. Jordan Eberle was probably one of my least favorite players on the Islanders last year when our two teams <laughs> linked up. It was just every night it was Jordan, the Jordan Eberle show for for the yeah. for the New York yeah. Islanders, and 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 the fa- that was one of the things that immediately popped into my head was uh, when when it was official uh, when I peeked in on that 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 last game between the Islanders and the Bruins. But uh, I guess what what we could do, uh, you know. Uh, before, because I do have a question for you that I, I, I'm curious about, because I did hint sure. at it before with the goaltenders. But before we get into that, I do want to ask you predictions for this series. Now, we, we'll probably, I already stated mine on the previous episode, but what is in terms of where's the series going to go? You know, are we thinking seven here, Gil, or do you think maybe things might end a little sooner? 
I'm thinking more like six or seven, probably seven, just because, I mean, it, it went six last year with a lot of right. overtime games. Uh, I, I'm thinking these two teams are going to pick up more or less where they left off a year ago, and uh, this is going to be a, a back-and-forth series. I think only one game in this series out of the seven is going to be one, very one-sided where you have like a 5-1 kind of a game, yeah. and every other game is going to be a dogfight. Yeah, I, I see on the last episode when I made the prediction, I think maybe I was also still on the high of that that win, that series clinching win, because what I said is I firmly believe if the Lightning could get the first two. No, not saying that the Islanders can't steal one, because I definitely think that the Islanders are good enough to at least steal one at Amelie, uh, the first two games. But I really think that, you know, if the if the Lightning win games one and two uh then uh, you're really up against the wall going back to the bar and having to win uh to keep yourself in the series i was saying at least maybe five uh five games maybe four depending because vasileski has just been i i've never seen him play this good and i think that's really what it comes down to i think goal i I don't think kucherov stamkos i don't think goals are going to win this game i think uh, the series i think it really it's going to come down to Vasilevsky and Varlamov, who's going to be able to be the better goaltender. So really, I, I think maybe I'm a little bit out on the edge with this, but I'm going to say uh, lightning in five. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm going to say lightning in seven, and I think it's going to be a hell of a series. Yeah, man. So now that we got that out of the way, <laughs> my my question to you is, you know, without jumping ahead, if the Islanders do advance in the series – who do you want to play in the finals? Like I, we alluded it to before with the goaltenders that both of those teams have out there uh, in Vegas and Montreal. Uh, to be honest, I, I don't know. I, if, if I had to pick, it wouldn't be because of the goaltender. I would just, just having two teams, one that just started out as a franchise and then one is, and the other that is not in a traditional hockey market. I would love to see Tampa and Vegas play each other. Well, that would certainly be the non-traditional hockey matchup, yeah, as far as markets go. And I think it would be a heck of a series. I think, you know, if the Islanders do advance and, and you know, I, I'm not counting anything until it happens. Right. Uh, I haven't even thought about this question because I'm really kind of thinking about Tampa right now. But um, if if they were to advance, I think the, the uh, Golden Knights have a deeper roster uh, than than the Canadiens. So I guess I would prefer to play Montreal, all things being equal. But, you know, you mentioned both goaltenders being outstanding, both teams playing very well right now. Uh, there's no e- look, you're in the final four. There's no there's no easy outs right. Yeah. Now. Yeah, I mean that was the thing last year that kind of helped the Lightning was just the I don't even remember if maybe you could refresh my memory who Dallas played last year and I believe it was Colorado if I'm not correct if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, I I mean that's the thing. I guess if I had to pick also as well is that the other thing that takes into account is that you if you do beat us, you definitely want to play the team that scores a lot more goals just so you know you're playing against that style uh and and vegas has with with the way that mark stone has been playing recently uh i i I think you would have to probably pick him just because those those young guns in montreal are just 
I mean, Cole Caulfield has just been otherworldly. And I don't know if I'm, I'm, I don't know how the lightning would be able to handle him because the lightning do struggle against players who are very skillful with the puck and, and are very good with, with vision on the ice and, and just can basically the Jack of all trade players. They do struggle with those guys. So yeah, I, I would probably have to agree that, you know, Vegas is probably the better thing. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I think that the crowds are, believe it or not, I think they're going to play a huge difference. I mean, I, I, I mean, the barn, I, hopefully I could get to the game on, I was thinking maybe going to game four, hopefully the lightning are in a position to clinch it. Then uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll probably be the only guy in, in Long Island with a Tampa Bay lightning Jersey on. So uh, I'll, I'll definitely well, have to watch. Yeah. 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 If you, if you see a guy getting drinks thrown at him with a Tampa Bay lightning Jersey, that's probably me. So uh, yeah, this has been great. Maybe next year we'll, we'll, we'll do a third one in a row. If, why not? Uh, yeah, why not? Let's make it a tradition at this point, right? So, uh, Gil, thanks for doing this with me, uh, and we could definitely, hopefully, follow up with a uh, with a recap, whether it's immediately after the series or in the off season. Absolutely, it was a pleasure, and uh, and good luck in the series. Yeah. It should be a great one. Yeah, good luck to you. Let's wrap things up here with another one of today's sponsors, our last sponsor, and that is BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They got nine amazing flavors. Most of them contain 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. My favorite here on on Locked on Lightning is probably the strawberry cheesecake one. That one is probably the best. Uh, go ahead and check that out. You could customize the boxes, whether you know you want to have two of every flavor or if you want to just have you know all of the double chocolate caramel or whatever you know you pick it's your choice go ahead on to their easy to use website right now and use promo code lock 15 you'll get 15 percent off your first order that's promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com all right so now to wrap things up on the show huge thanks to gil martin of locked on islanders for coming on uh, today's show for the the pregame crossover if we want to call it that uh, like I said it, you know this is starting to become some sort of a tradition two years in a row uh, maybe we can shoot for three next year you know it all depends on the Islanders uh, but yeah I, I'll stick to my guns I fully believe that this Lightning team is very very much capable of winning this series in five and, and if they get off to a great start and if the Islanders, you know, they are a talented team, let's make no mistake about it. The Islanders aren't going to go down quietly, but I could see if things don't get off to a good start right away for this Islanders team within the series, we could be talking about a, a possible sweep on that, on that Saturday night game when I go there, uh, possibly to the, to the game uh, on Long Island. So once again, please, Follow us on our social media platforms, LO underscore lightning on Twitter, locked on underscore lightning on Instagram. Turn on those notifications if you follow us, uh, if you listen to the podcast on a platform app, uh, so you are up to date and notified as soon as the next episode drops. And we'll be back tomorrow with the recap of today's game. So don't forget to listen to that. So that's been it it for today's episode of Locked On Lightning, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Tanker. I'll talk to you later.